0: Welcome to the May 2017 Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition podcast. This is Kelly Tappenden, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition, and I'm pleased to be joined today by Dr. Carrie Earthman of the Department of Food Science and Nutrition at the University of Minnesota. We'll be discussing her paper that appears in the May 2017 issue entitled Long-Term Body Composition Changes in Women Following Ruan Y Gastric Bypass Surgery. Welcome, Dr. Erzman. Thank you. One of the things I'm particularly excited to mention is that this paper, this work was funded by the Rhodes Research Foundation of Aspen. So here's an excellent example of some work being done that's leading to some nice data and and hopefully more projects for you.
1: Yes, we were very fortunate to get that funding and it has led to quite a number of great papers and supported several students actually in their graduate degree work. Very good.
0: So you were interested in Roux-en-Y, gastric bypass surgery, and long-term body composition changes. We know that in the short term, there are, are market effects with this both restrictive and malabsorptive procedure, but regain is always a concern, loss of lean body tissue, and your data goes out much further than most other studies in the literature.
1: Is that correct? Yes, there have not been very many long-term studies that have have looked beyond, you know, five years or so, and we were interested in, in doing that.
0: So tell us the method. How did you go about trying to assess what the changes might be in body composition after Ron Y?
1: Yeah, well, and maybe I can give you a little bit of a backdrop. This original study that was funded by the Rhodes Research Foundation was conducted between 2005 and 2007 we were funded to look at the impact of whey protein supplementation in the first six weeks after their surgery to see if we could have a positive impact on lean tissue loss. So in that original study, we brought in 20 women and gave them whey protein supplementation up to 40 grams per day in the first six weeks, and then we looked at body composition changes and and several other parameters at multiple time points up to a year after surgery. And what we found is that although protein intake was higher in those that received the supplement, overall their protein intake, including diet and the supplement, only reached about 0.6 grams per kilogram actual body weight in the supplemented group. And we did randomize these folks. You know, we had a placebo control in the study. So what we basically were concerned about is that protein intake is really low. In the early stages after surgery, and then even at one year, both groups were consuming about 0.8 grams per kilogram, so the protein intake was pretty low. So we thought this is surely likely to be uh, having an impact on lean tissue. And, of course, in our first study, up to a year, you know, they all lost substantial amounts of weight, and they lost both lean and fat, and about 20% of it was lean tissue. So we were thinking that it would be interesting to look at the very longer-term period in these women to see if the trend continued, what was actually changing in terms of their body composition, as well as their impact on functional status. And so that brought us to the most recent study, the paper that we're discussing today.
0: Okay, let me just ask one question. You said their intake was very low, 0.8 grams per kilo per day, which is exactly the RDA for protein, right? How much of an elevation is estimated for patients following Ruan
1: Y? What should we be providing to them? I don't think one knows that answer. In fact, I'm sure they don't know the answer. <laughs> we, ha- we haven't done studies to really look at what protein requirements are. So it's kind of a question. And of course, there's always a variation, right? You know, this was just an urge. It was a very small study of women, and there was a range in intake. So, yeah, our question was really just what is happening to lean tissue in these women? So over that course of a one-year study, we brought them in at multiple time points, and um, most were hovering well below the 0.8 grams. So that was just where they got to by one year. So the question really was, what impact was that having? Was it important to think about? What did you find? So let me give you a little more detail about what we actually did. We had 20 women that had originally completed that one-year study, and we have a center of excellence here at the University of Minnesota, and so we draw from all over the state. And what we found is that it's not all that logistically feasible. If you don't plan for it at the beginning of a study, You know, to try to bring people back after such a long period of time was quite challenging. So of the 20 that we had originally studied, We had responses we were able to find, about half of those women and about half of them. So we had 10 that responded favorably or that they would be willing to consider coming back in, and of those, we got five. So we had a very small return sample, five women that came back in for comprehensive evaluation, and that took place in approximately 2014 to 2015. And we measured body composition using a number of methods, including deuterium and bromide dilution, the bod pod, and the dexa using an iDEXA. And then we measured hand grip strength as a way to evaluate muscle function, and we also measured resting energy expenditure. So what we found is, on average, we were studying the women at around, I'll just say, it was 8.7 years, but I'll say 9 years, just to make it easy for discussion. So the mean age of the sample was around 56 years. And, you know, in the first year, they lost substantial amount of weight, of course, as would be expected, and a significant amount of lean and fat. But we were really focusing. So we, so we sort of, we went back and re-looked at that, that small sample just to look at their changes over the first part of the study, you know, up to the one year. And it wasn't different than our larger group. But we really focused in on the changes between one and nine years. And what we found is that by nearly nine years after surgery, the average weight change was positive. So there was a regain of about 5.5 kilograms or so. And there was a pretty large standard deviation, as you might expect, in such a small sample. So the standard deviation was about six kilos. So there's obviously some range there. The weight regain, actually, because it was such a small sample, was not significant. We didn't get a significant change there. But what we did find that was interesting is that lean tissue decreased significantly, and this was by approximately five kilograms on average. And then along the same lines, hand grip strength decreased by about three kilos of force between that same period, between one and nine years post. And that loss in hand grip strength was modestly correlated with DEXA. DEXA measured lean tissue. And age and lean tissue were the primary contributors to the hand grip strength. So when we modeled it, that was what came out. So lean tissue and age being important predictors of that. So lean tissue decreased, hand grip strength decreased. What we found about fat mass is that it trended toward an increase of nearly 9 kilos between 1 and 9 years. So it was a trend. It was a p-value of 0.05. And again, given our small sample size, we felt that this was worth noting. Very interesting results,
0: Dr. Earthman. So tell me what you would recommend then for individuals who are caring for patients following Ruan Y. And a couple of things are on my mind. The fact that they don't get to see them because they don't come back. And also then what specific nutrition recommendations we should be making in the long term, because I think most of the nutritional intervention is done in that short time and focusing on various nutrient deficiencies based on the
1: Ruan Y procedure and the malabsorptive aspects of it. Right. And I I will say we don't have definitive foundation for, you know, how much protein people should be consuming or what else they should be doing. But I would just say that probably this is a common sense response. But we know how difficult it is to get them to consume adequate protein during the early stages after surgery. And so, you know, there's such an emphasis placed on that in dietitian counseling. Focus on the protein first. Don't add any other, you know, food groups until you get that protein up to a pretty modest 60 to 80 grams is what the current guidelines are, you know, which is obviously not, I mean, if you do it per kilogram body weight, actual body weight, that's not even 0.4 or or it's probably even a little bit lower depending on how large they are or how heavy they are at the outset. So I think we need to emphasize the importance of coming back in for follow-up visits and really check in with people, you know, about what they're actually consuming. And I think we need to be monitoring physical activity. You know, we had limitations to our study included that, you know, we, we, we didn't have great information about physical activity. We had a kind of an informal questionnaire. And most of them were not super active in our five that came through. So we don't really know if they were doing resistance exercise and consuming more protein might they have attenuated the changes that we saw, you know, and attenuated the lean tissue loss and, and perhaps mitigated the fat mass gain? You know, that would be an important follow-up to our study is to really look at those issues in a controlled way. One other piece that I thought was interesting is that in our very small sample, three out of the five women had below normal functional status by hand grip strength for their age at the nine-year visit. And then two of those three had been classified as having normal hand grip strength for their age before surgery. So it does seem to suggest that they are perhaps disproportionately, I mean, it could be having an impact on them that is maybe out of the ordinary, the the changes in their hand grip strength because perhaps these changes after surgery, the long-term changes, although that is really unclear and needs to be followed
0: up. That is an interesting point though. So even though we know that there is going to be, you know, an impact of age for certain, three of these five women were falling under the norms for that. Indicating yeah. that trial where you could look at some normal healthy aging women compared to those following grew on why yes. that would be very useful. I'm also concerned that when you tell me about the protein recommendations, that we don't have protein at the RDA level. I understand of course we're wanting to restrict intake and their energy should be low, but it is concerning, isn't it, that their protein yeah. requirement isn't being met at that time?
1: Yeah, I've always thought that and I'll tell you from our observation and again, you know, limited <laughs> limited data from our original twenty, is that I think those recommendations in part, I mean at least my feeling is they may have been set based on observed Possible intake. In other words, most people, I think, post bariatric surgery are really not capable of consuming much more than 60 to 80 grams, of sort of, you know, this ballpark that we, we name. You know, I, I have not seen nitrogen balance studies. I don't believe we have firm groundings that that's what they need. It's just that's kind of what they can consume at best. That's interesting,
0: though. Observed intake
1: rather than optimal intake
0: is sort of where things are at right now.
1: I believe so, and I, again, may be wrong about that. But back in 2005 or something like that. I We did a review of the literature to see, and that was where we ended up back then. And I don't think things have changed too much in terms of people using tracers to really establish requirements in this population. I don't believe that work has been done.
0: Incredibly important. Dr. Ervin, thanks so much for joining me today. I want to let our readers know to go to the May twenty seventeen issue of JPEN and, and take a look at this interesting paper. Again, Doctor Earthman is the senior author on it and the title is Long Term Body Composition Changes in Women Following Ruin Y gastric bypass surgery. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you.